0: Let's
1: turn to uh, Matthew chapter 3. And let's read real quick verse 11 in Matthew chapter 3. We've been talking about the fire of God. The fire of God. Verse 11 says this. This is Jesus. He said, as for me, John the Baptist talking about Jesus, I baptize you. With water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. And I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. We're talking about the fire of God. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now when he uses that terminology. He's not just talking about a touch or a flicker of fire. He says, fire will overflow and be all over you. You will be overwhelmed with the fire of God. Now, I think that a lot of us have felt a touch from God, and I think that many of us have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but I don't think that we fully get An overwhelming of the fire of God. I don't think that we understand it for the most part. A few of us uh, do. A few of us have received that. A lot of us have felt the touch of his fire. But we haven't felt the baptism of fire. The overwhelming of his fire. But he wants to fill us with that fire. Over in Acts chapter 2 you'll notice the Lord isn't the Lord very specific about his wording. Does he, does he mix words up? No. A lot of people think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the baptism of fire. But you'll notice that right here it says he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. But over in Acts chapter 2 it says they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, period. Didn't mention that. Now it did say they had a, a touch, a flame of fire, to get the candle burning, right? And the, think about this, the oil of the Holy Ghost, the oil would feed the fire, correct? We need the touch of God's fire, but we need to also be baptized with His fire. Another thing about the oil of God is uh, the oil of God it, it is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It fuels the fire of God. It fuels it. It's the the starting point. Just like salvation is the starting point to move into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. the, The baptism of the Holy Spirit or the baptism, the overwhelming of the oil of God. It moves us into the place where it constantly overflows us with the fuel to keep the fire burning and overwhelming us in his fire. So we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, which one is greater? All of them. There's not one that's lesser than the other, right? There's not one that's lesser. We need it all, but they do different things. For example, if I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost, then I'm covered with his oil. You may smell that sweet essence, that sweet manifestation of his oil. And when I come close, you may say there's something different about them, right? There's something different. And if I come and I have the oil of God on me and I can get some of that on you, right? I can I can get some of that oil and that anointing smeared into your life. Some of the goodness of God in you, the power of the Holy Ghost. The thing about the fire is this, is I don't have to touch you. If I'm lit up in the flame of fire, I can be standing here. Number one, it has a presence to it. Number two, you can feel the heat. It has to do with the manifestation. The other thing about the fire of God is now I come over here filled and overflowing with the fire of God. I catch you. Right? I catch the person next to me. There's a power there uh, that we need in our lives. We need both to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and baptized with fire. Now, the thing about the fire of God is this. The word says that our God is a consuming fire. So one of the first principles about about, uh, the fire of God is that it consumes What does it consume it consumes everything that stands in the way of the presence of God it consumes the chaff it will burn up all the chaff so everything in our life see the baptism of fire and the fire of God it immediately starts to burn away the things in our life that don't need to be there. It starts to handle business for us uh, before we even realize we got business to handle. Amen. It starts to, it starts to prepare us so that we can step closer to God. Now it's interesting is if I have a touch, George, will you come here? I can have the fire of God on me. All right, good. I can have the fire of God on me and I can, and I can let, amen. Um, I'm not sure that we don't need somebody behind you, but we'll be good. Uh, anyway, I can have the fire of God on me. And let's say he's got an area of sin in his life, some chaff, right? It's not the fruit of God. It's the, it's the trash that, of sin that needs to be burnt out. With the fire of God on me, I can then pray and, and you know, I don't know why it's here in your stomach. It could be anywhere, I guess. But anyway, I can have the fire of God and that anointing and that fire that's on me can help him to get rid of that one area. But a consuming fire, somebody who's baptized and overwhelmed with the fire of God, it's happening all the time. It's happening all the time. So in other words, that fire is constantly burning out what doesn't need to be there. And then what does that allow us to do? All right, uh, Chris, will you come here? You can put your hands down. All right, back up just a little bit. All right, so Chris, stand here. All right, so Chris is God, who's a consuming fire. Good job. (laughs) Go sit down. (laughs) you took it too far right away right away just one this haven't you seen the movie you know evan almighty and he messed up that was right away it didn't take you any time good job all right so let's say that he's the lord our god is a consuming fire so what happens if somebody doesn't have the flame and the fire of god they still have sin they still have stuff in their life And they come into the presence of God. Right? They die. God's holy. His his fire consumes everything that's not of him. The only thing that stands in his presence is the holy things of God. So as Christians, the reason why we need the fire of God is because we don't come and stand in the presence of God without having the fire already done a work on us. We need the fire of God. So we need, we need the presence of God because in the presence of God, all of his goodness, all of his power has an ability to pour out those blessings. It has an ability to heal, to set free, to deliver. It has all of that in the presence of God. But we can't hang out in the presence of God unless the fire's done its work. So we need the fire of God. So the fire of God here. Um, Let's say that he's not overwhelmed and baptized with the fire, but he's around somebody that can help him get there. The Holy Spirit empowers us to get rid of that stuff. The fire of God burns it out. And let's say that he's gotten rid of everything that God's shown him right now. A lot of times what happens in my experience, that person can come up and they can have a touch of God, but they can't stay there long. They can't stay there long. Why? Why? Because there's not enough cleaned up. There's not enough, you know, and then they can come back and have another touch. As much as they will give themselves to the cleansing of God, they can have continuous touches. But if they will give themselves to be Filled and overflowed, baptized, overwhelmed with the fire of God, it gives them the ability to stay in the presence of God longer and longer and longer. And that's where the power of God has every right to manifest. And not only that, but you carry that. What is the fire? But his presence, you start to be a carrier of what God calls normal. You start to be a carrier of his fire. And then all of a sudden you go out into the world And with that fire of God and you start uh, go out into the world, amen, light them up in Jesus name. You start to, and when you get near people, they start to get lit up with the fire of God too. And even if they're not overwhelmed with it, you just get near them and all of a sudden they're convicted of sin. You don't say a word. They're convicted. Why? Because the fire is there. It's consuming of the things that would keep them out of the presence of God. The Lord wants every man to come into his presence, but every man cannot come into his presence. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 20, it gives us the idea of that. It's like, I'm giving you, I'm telling you this. The mountain was on fire. The thunder and the lightning had come down and the people were putting it in reverse. Beep, beep, beep. They're backing up. And Moses was saying, no, 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 it's not for you to back up. It's for you to come in. But don't forget. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. He's holy. He's holy. He's righteous. He is a consuming fire. Don't play around. It's like he really is God. Don't forget it. And that's what Moses is saying. God wants us to come in there, but we've got to hand ourselves over to the consuming fire of God and let that stuff, let that stuff get burnt out of us. The Lord says this, he said, if I went up with Israel in that same time period, if I went up and they went, tried to go with me and get in my presence, I would kill them. And he's not saying I have a heart to kill them. He's saying they couldn't take it Would burn them up. It would destroy them. But through Jesus, We can boldly come before the throne of God, the throne of grace. Through Jesus, we have access to the fullness of the Holy Ghost. We have access to the overflowing and the indwelling and and the the overwhelming of the Holy Spirit. We also have uh, uh, access by the Holy Spirit then to be overflowed with the fire of God. We need the fire of God. And and once we have it, I can tell you, uh, he overflowed me and baptized me in his fire when I was young, and I didn't even know what I had. And honestly, I let go of it because I didn't even know what I had my hands on. I wish I'd have known, but I didn't. <laughs> Nobody was teaching me that stuff then. I wish I'd have known. But then you, most of you know the story, last year started realizing something wasn't right. We just weren't quite at bowling point yet. Lord, what is it? Start fasting, seeking the Lord, whatever it is. Break it off by a fast in Jesus' name, according to your word. And he says, you're not hungry enough. And I'm like, Lord, I'm as hungry as the people. I, know. I don't know too many people that are hungrier, except for these huge, huge names. He says, you're not hungry enough. And see, I was comparing myself to other people instead of comparing myself to him. And then I was like, "Okay, Lord, help me to become more hungry. And then he showed me what to do and he showed me how to step. And in the middle of that hunger, he was finally able able to tell me what I needed. and, And he spoke this to me. He said, you need fresh fire. I said, glory to God. Give me fresh fire. I started believing the Lord for fresh fire. The fire of God started to come, started to feel, started to overflow again. The power of God started to return. Now I know what it is and I know, I know that to hold on to it. I know to cherish it. I know to walk in it. I know, I know to keep it on me because I need the fire of God. We need the fire of God to overwhelm our lives because this world needs people that are on fire. Amen. It needs people that are on fire. The world is looking for something real. And we have the answer. But we've let our flesh step in the way and say, I'd rather be comfortable than to give myself to the consuming fire. We've got to back up and say, wait a minute. If he loves me like he says that he does, and he's truly that. And he will show me how he will show me and strengthen me to step out of my comfort zone and step into the consuming fire of God and move into what he has planned so that I can be the hands and the feet of Christ walking in a fullness of the Holy Ghost and a fullness of that fire baptized in it. So that when we go to pray stuff happens, it's not just theory. It's not maybe, maybe it will, maybe it won't. No, it happens in Jesus name. It happens. We need God's normal in our life. The world needs his normal. So in Matthew uh, chapter 3, it comes to the place where, where John says, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. But before he says, it says, John prepared the way for Jesus. In order to have the fire of God, the baptizer in the fire is Jesus. According to that verse we read, he's the baptizer. We need to open up the way for him to come in and bring the fire that he wants to bring. And in order to do that, John did certain things. John says he told everybody, repent, change your way of thinking. In other words, uh, repent is not just, oh, woe is me. I'm horrible. I'm bad. And I'm going to stop being bad. Repent. He was saying, stop thinking about the kingdom the way that you thought about it. Stop thinking that Jesus is going to waltz in here and make all your problems go away. No, you are to partner with God. And that means you start to realize that he doesn't want to just come in here and solve it all. Like Moses standing before the whole kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel. God wants people that will be like him, that will move like him, that will be his children. Change your way of thinking. You were going this way, start going this way, start seeing yourself as a child of God and see a child of God doesn't put that kind of sin on. A child of God recognizes that he's royalty. A child of God says, no, I don't do that because I'm royalty. I'm I'm a king and a priest. A child of God starts to say I'm different than that. All of a sudden sin becomes a lot easier to deal with because your mindset has changed. You've changed and turned in your thinking. So John said, repent, change your way of thinking. He says, also, we need to make our way straight and clear. This is all in Matthew chapter 3. We need to make our, our way straight and clear for Jesus to enter our lives. Get the stuff out of the way. Clear the path. Do what's necessary for Jesus to have the easy entry into your life. It's not that he can't move the stuff in your life. It's that it's not his job anymore. It's ours. It's our job to make clear the path. He's already empowered us to clear the way. It's our job to do it. And what are we doing? We're clearing the path so that the fire of God can come in. We must purpose ourselves to identify and kick out sin by the supernatural power of God that he has given us. We must purpose ourselves to identify and kick out sin by the supernatural power of God that he's given us. We must be bearing fruit. This is a sign of true repentance. We need to ask ourselves, I went through a series of questions. I don't know that I can remember them all now, but it's like this. When's the last time you personally led somebody to the Lord? When's the last time you personally led somebody to be filled with the Holy Ghost? When's the last time you personally prayed for somebody and they were instantly healed? If we don't have this fruit in our lives, then we're not bearing the fruit of Christ in our lives. In other words, it's not. If you, I would say that the majority of people hearing those questions cannot say recently to answer all three of those. That's where the American church is. But we don't need to be condemned because of that. We need to see that there's a different goal than the church has been setting. We've we've had a default mindset that if we come here on Sunday morning and we go to a life group, we can check a box. Good. We've done our job. We've not done our job at all. If this isn't changing us to be producers of the fruit of God, we're wasting our time. You're lukewarm. You might as well, you know, just not believe at all. God said, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. But what he really wants is for us to be hot. Yeah. Amen. He wants to, us to be on fire. Amen. Good. We must be bearing fruit. That's a true sign of true repentance. It's not okay just because we're born again and go to church. John said to the Pharisees, He said, don't tell me that that we're children of Abraham. He said, God's able to raise up children of Abraham of these rocks. Well, I go to church and I go to a spirit-filled church and they see the power of God. That's not enough. God can can manifest people in here that'll do that all day long. We need to be producing fruit. You remember, you know, I'm I'm not going to get into too theological of a discussion, but you remember when he went to the fig tree and it it had no fruit on it? And he brought the curse that was already on the tree to an end in that tree. Because that tree was designed to produce. And it wasn't even the season for figs. What right does that tree have to tell the king of kings, I'm not having fruit no matter what season it is. He's the king of kings. I don't believe that the Lord designed anything in the beginning. And that means we need to be walking in it now. I don't believe that he designed anything to be unproductive. I believe it's all designed to be productive. And that was the problem with the tree. It already had the curse on it. Jesus just said, you're bringing a curse to the children of Abraham. You can't do that anymore. That's why it came to an end. He brought the curse in the tree to an end. Well, he says this to the Pharisees and to the children of uh, Israel. He says, look, don't just tell me that we're children of Abraham. He'll rise up children from these rocks. In other words, don't just say, well, I go to church and they get people born again. No, no, no. We are all designed to produce the fruit of God. And we're not going to have that unless we start to repent in our heart and our minds and we start to realize this. And then ask Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and ask for him to baptize you with fire. Know that now that Jesus prayed and the heavens were opened, you pray from a position knowing that God will not withhold any good thing from you. The heavens are not closed up again. Jesus opened them. I think it was in Luke, the same story. Jesus opened up the heavens through prayer. The heavens are open. The king is on his throne. We are, we are part of his body. We're, you know, this is who we are. We're his hands and his feet. Everything that's under his feet's under your feet. You're raised up spiritually and seated with him in heavenly places at the seat of authority. The heavens are open. We're not waiting for the heavens to be open. We're waiting for mankind to figure out they need to be productive. That's what God's waiting on. And we're the kind of people that's going to say, that's us. That's us. That'll be me. There's at times, like we looked at in Isaiah chapter 6, it's on your notes. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah's sitting there, and, and all of a sudden, some the angels start chanting and shouting, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The foundations start to rumble, and Isaiah goes, Oh my goodness, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> I am not holy. I am not ready. And his words were like this. Oh, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. In other words, I'm not holy. And I think what he realized is if this situation doesn't get fixed, I'm about to die, right? And you'd probably be doing the same thing. The Lord's coming in. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Ooh, I'm not holy. Help me, Jesus, right? And all of a sudden, the angel, this is the thing. Maybe you have felt like that before. Well, you're talking about some great big things, but I'm just trying not to cuss this morning before I come to church, right? I'm just, maybe you're not there. This is the beauty about that. The same thing that happened to Isaiah can happen to you. All of a sudden, the angel comes. He grabs a burning fire, a burning coal from the altar of God. And he takes that coal. That burning, consuming fire. And he touches Isaiah with it. And he cleanses him of the unholiness. And brings him to a place. All of a sudden, Isaiah went from being a a guy that effectively is running from God. To all of a sudden, uh, God says, who shall I send? And Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. Send me. So see, no matter where you're at in your life, all you have to do is turn your heart to the Lord and let the consuming fire of God do what the consuming fire does. And it'll prepare you to be a carrier of the fire of God. Yes. Yes. Good stuff. A carrier. Now let's turn to 1 Kings 18. First Kings eighteen and verse twenty. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Father. Come here, David. Fire of God. Thank you, Father. Level Nugloma Blacloshtini Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God. I see it kindling in your belly and catching from there, catching all of your body to be overwhelmed and filled with the fire of God. Fire Bistkini <laughs> Bostorum. Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Rekindle in ways that only you can imagine, Lord. Fire of God. He's touching you differently this morning. He's touching you differently this morning. Frota must be in the motley, bain the best, vet, feast, a no pochoto, me good mechi, mebbe bufrain the bostin, ni me nebestu. Glory to God. Burn, Lord, burn. Tukramataramata. Take away in all of us the unclean lips, take away the unclean lips, and prepare us. For your glory, prepare us for your produce, for your production. Prepare us, Lord, prepare us. Thank you for Sela for Roma co bene, Bavro Bobos, bene mos, flodo, flodo, nidicate best unte amo, bayate, demestufrat, patramo. First Kings chapter 18 and verse 20. The setup is this. The Lord told uh, Elijah to pray that there would be no rain. And there had been no rain now for three and a half years. And there's been this, this increase over time where the, the religion worshiping Baal has grown. And now there's these prophets of Baal and they're, they've grown and it's not good. They're coming against the Lord and His ways. They're coming against the things of God. And I think Elijah had just had enough. You know, he's kind of like some of y'all that just is, all right, enough's enough. You know, maybe he had a little bit of redneck in him. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he had some mountain man in him. I don't know, but maybe some, maybe some Irish. I don't know, (laughs) but he had something in there that said, all right, we're done. That's enough of that. Enough of that. Elijah said in verse 15, he says, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today, to Ahab, King Ahab. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? He said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. Now then send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Ahab sent a message along among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. You see, this is so uh, apathetic. It's so much like... Uh, The culture all across the world today, like everybody in America almost says they believe in God. There's very few that don't say that. But where's the production? Where's the fruit of it? And even when they're challenged, they just look and stare and give the blank. You know, face like oh yeah that's great who's this guy you know and they just don't say anything it's like where when are we going to produce that would be my like me standing up and saying why are you going to let this sin stay in your life and not go after God if God is who he says he is then let's go after him we have an eternity to fight for for people we have the burdens of others to lift up we have the fire of God that needs to get on them if he really is the savior if he really he is Jesus, then let's do it and quit making excuses about it. That's basically what Elijah said. (laughs) Why are we stopping and coming short of a production? Why are we letting the things of the, of the Lord that can do so much sit on the sidelines? Let, let's put Jesus in the game, which means Jesus got to get in us. He's so willing to get in the game. Put me in, put me in, put me in, coach. He's, he's, he's pulling on your heart constantly. Put me in your life. Put me in the game. And we're sitting there going, yeah, we went to church. That's not enough. God can pull out of these rocks the power and the miracles of God. His glory, His holiness. He can pull out of that. Why are we playing around? If God is truly God, then there's no other response but to go after Him with everything we have. If He truly is the creator of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, there's no other thing but... Run after him with everything that we have. There's nothing short of that that will satisfy a God of all power and love. So we can sit back and play church or and this is what Elijah's saying. And, and he says this, and they don't even give him an amen. <laughs> they just look at him. Praise God, it didn't record what they were thinking. <laughs> that would have been disappointing. <laughs> Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? You see, when we don't give ourselves to the fire of God and we don't prepare a way for Jesus to come in, we're hesitating, yeah. we're waiting. We're saying, Lord, yeah, I know you want me to do that, but 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 I have you know I, I have a salary to go get. I have I have a, a boathouse to get made up. If I got on fire for you, I might give up stuff that I've been working for for so long. Well, who gave you the idea in the first place? We have to recognize that the world is designed to entangle you with the cares of it. The world, this corrupted world is designed to entangle you and choke the seed of the word so that it will not produce because you were designed to produce. And ever since you were this high, the world started injecting you with its corrupted message that you don't have to produce fruit. Just have a good life. God wants to bless you. You'll go to heaven. But that's all. Check the box. And yet he says, you're supposed to be on fire. That's right. He says, you're supposed to produce, go into all the world and make disciples. And yet we still halt between two opinions. We hesitate and we wait and we and we let what the world has taught us out of its corruption be more real than this life giving word. Why do you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. You see, this right here defines really what's going on with most people. is They really don't believe that God is God. Because if they did, they would get a revelation. And that revelation would move them to action. It would move them to a place. Where you couldn't stop them. You couldn't stop them. The devil couldn't. You couldn't. Their confidence would not be shaken. Their joy would not disappear. Their expectation would be so high. They'd constantly be seeing the things of God. Because God is God. We just haven't believed it. Then Elijah said to the people. I alone Am left a prophet to, of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen. And let them choose one ox for themselves. And cut it up. And place it on the wood. And put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox. And lay it on the wood. And I will put a fire under it. I will not put a fire under it then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, that's a good idea. See, we've got to be willing to come and put our stuff on the altar. Put our flesh on the altar. Say, Lord we we got to be willing to step out and say lord if you're god fire me up i'm going to prepare a place for the fire to come and that place is prepared by me saying lord in honor that's preparing the altar in all honor i honor you i humble myself to you and i put me on that altar yeah. i lay out my stuff my plans All of of the stuff the world has taught me, I lay out my thinking, I lay out my sin, I lay out the corruption of my flesh, I lay it out on the altar right now. And if you're God, Lord, send the fire. Right now, I want you to start thinking about that because in a few minutes, I'm going to call you to lay out your stuff on this altar through humility. And if God is God, I'm going to ask him to light you up with this fire. And he will do it. Then you call on the name of your God. I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, That's a good idea. Verse 25. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one ox for yourselves and prepare it first for you are many and call on the name of your God and put no fire under it. Then they took the ox which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar, which they made. And it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he is a God. Either he is occupied, or maybe he's gone outside, or is on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. You have to understand that a conviction in your heart will bring out some things that people think are weird. But it also puts you in a place where there's no going back. Man, if God doesn't answer by fire, <laughs> Elijah did. <laughs> Elijah's gone. <laughs> he, he 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 would be one of those, and he was not. But it wasn't cause God took him. Cause the prophets of Baal, they destroyed him. He put him. He's mocking their God. Yep. Pastor Rodney does a lot of that. I like it. <laughs> he mocks the God of religion. Because the God of religion chokes out things. It's the same thing Elijah did. But it puts him into a position just like it will put you into a position to actually receive from the Lord. To receive. Elijah mocked them. Verse 28. So they cried with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until blood gushed out on them. When midday was past, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice and no one answered and no one paid attention. So they went through noontime. They went all the way up to evening time. Yelling, screaming, cutting. And nothing answered. There was no voice, no one answered and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Right now, we need to just repair the altar of the Lord. See, right now, I believe that conviction in your heart is grabbing you and you're saying, you know what? I I haven't done what I needed to do. Lord, let me prepare the altar of my heart right now. Let me humble myself to you. Father, I repent. Just bow your head right now. If you need to say that, matter of fact, we can just all say it. But mean it with your heart. Lord, I repent. I change my way of thinking. I need to be productive. And I need to go after you with all my heart. Thank you, Father. Just sit there for a second and, and, and prepare the altar of your heart. La yo ko toma ya bo ko predeni for the rust and i Clo, a petrotuting khonghi tomato la e kum um pam stita shota namas sufredeni Lord, work in everyone's hearts that's hearing this. Help them prepare that altar. Help them to take their will and place it on the altar. Help them to take their will and empower it to do your things. Lord, help them to see the things that need to be on the altar and strengthen them to place them there. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. When you feel like you're done preparing your heart you can just lift your head but take your time if you need to. Too often we rush and we need to wait. Elijah repaired the altar. He honored and humbled himself before the people and the Lord. He prepared the altar and repaired it. It had been broken. It had been dishonored. And it needed to be fixed right. It needed to be fixed with a heart as after the Lord. A heart that says, Lord, you are God. And you will answer with fire. I trust you. I I trust you. I believe in you, Father. I trust you. I believe in you, Father. I trust you. I believe in you. And so I don't just do this with light esteem. But I give you high esteem. only one throne that you're worthy of sitting on, and it's the one that is highly esteemed out of the humility of my heart. Thank you, Father, for helping to prepare the altars and repair them. verse 31 Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying Israel shall be your name in other words he was honoring the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob he was honoring a covenant God you're a covenant God Lord we put you in our hearts As a covenant God. One who won't break your promises. We put you in our hearts. As one that you will uphold your word father. You will uphold your word. You will uphold your word. You are a covenant God. Thank you father. So with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water flowed around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. Now, I, I would say for most of my life, it's just in the last few months that this has come out to me, and I think it was through Pastor Rodney that said it, but for most of my life, I thought the water was to just show that it's even harder to catch on fire. But you have to remember, they were in the middle of a three-and-a-half-year drought. Three and a half years, no rain. The most precious thing that they had was water. This was not a proven that God's fire was stronger, it was, it was an offering to the Lord. We're going to take our most precious thing. And the word says that as long as the earth remains seed time and harvest remains, we're going to sow into you the water that we're believing you for because I, Elijah was there to help bring the rain back into the earth. The word, think about this. Uh, uh, recently, a friend, uh, Brother Teddy Shuttlesworth Jr., he and I were talking about this, and he was talking about I, he measured up the water. It was enough water. For one man to drink for a whole week. A week's worth of water. In other words, that was a week's worth of life. Because without, without water, there is no life. It was a week's worth of life. Do it once. Do it twice. Do it three times. He took something precious. And he placed it on that altar that had been repaired. Repaired. You know, I think that some of you today gave something special and I think it was in in preparation. The Lord was already ahead of time preparing you for this message. That you took something, you put it precious up on the altar You took something even, you know, maybe it was your finances. But there were things that the Lord prompted you today to do something precious in the offering that took place earlier. And it was because it lines up with this message. He was wanting you to have done something special. So that when I got to this point, you'd say, this is for me today. It's important to hear the voice of the Lord and be obedient. He sets us up for blessing. Then He arranged, uh, after He filled it, then the water flowed around the altar, and He also filled the trench with water. I want you to notice something. You remember at the cross? They speared Jesus, and it says what flowed? Blood and water flowed. Right here, you had the blood of the ox, and now the water flowing. This is a picture of what happens through Christ. See, used to, we couldn't just walk around filled with the fire of God. But this is a type and a shadow of Jesus saying that when you come to me through Christ, when blood and water flows, I will fill you and overflow you with the fire of God. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah, the prophet came near and said, O Lord the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Today, let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stone and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench and when all the people saw it they fell on their faces and they said the Lord he is God the Lord he is God the fire is a proof to humanity that the Lord is God we need to carry it then Elijah said to them seize the prophets of Baal do not let one of them escape So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and he slew them there. Now Elijah said to Ahab, get up, eat, drink, for there is a sound of the roar of a heavy shower, the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. No, no doubt that song that you were telling me about yeah, was prepared. I know, I know, I knew what I was preaching before when you said it, I was excited. He was listening to the James Taylor song coming in, and he, tell, what was, tell the, tell right here, what were the words again? And Well, I've not heard these words in the song before. It says, Jesus, please come and give me strength to stand because I see fire and I see rain. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, please come and give me strength to stand because I see fire and I see rain. That was, you know, the Lord can use stuff like that. That was prophetic for today in this service. Glory to God. You said that I was like really excited back there, but I didn't let you know. (laughs) He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go back seven times. And it came about at the seventh time that that he said, behold, a cloud. Uh, Pull the mic back a little bit. Uh, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And He said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot. Go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. Hadn't rained in three and a half years. He says, Get ready, you better get going, or you're gonna get stuck. It's about to rain, and there's gonna be some mud, and it's gonna be so heavy, you better get going and know that God's about to pour out. And in a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and winds, and there was a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up, up his loins and out ran Ahab to Jezreel. Ran in front of the chariot, ran in front of it. We've prepared the altar of our heart today. Today is a day to not be silent in the presence of God. Today is a day to stop making excuses. Today is a day to repair the altar of your heart. And if God be God, let him be God. If he is the Lord and I have prepared in humility a heart an altar of my heart, and I've laid my stuff, my junk, I've laid my life on that altar, then Lord, if you be God, answer with fire. And the one who sends the fire, he is God. When we have communion, it tells us this, it says, remember, remember, What Jesus has done. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't lightly esteem it. Don't just take it because you've had it again recently. Don't just take it lightly and say, Oh, I had this the other day. But every time we should remember a choice of a loving father to send his only son away from the throne To die at the hands of people that were his enemies. The choice of a son to leave equality with God. Go to an earth filled with people that the word says were helpless sinners and enemies. And it's at that time that Christ died for the ungodly. To make a choice where in the garden he was saying he was committed to that choice where he says, look, I don't want to do this, but not my will. But yours be done. I'm committed to go all the way and make you Lord and make you King. I'm telling you, when you give yourself to, when you lay yourself on the altar and you give yourself to the fire of God, Jesus is going to lead you to places where your flesh is going to say, I don't want to do this. I don't want this. And you're going to say, He is God. If God is God, I will follow Him. I will put His will on them, not mine. I will let the fire of God burn up all the desires of a corrupted world, all the desires of a corrupted flesh, and I will honor the sacrifice that Jesus paid, the body and the blood that he shed for me. Now, either he's God or he's not. And you need to make that decision today. Either he's God or he's not. And I can promise you, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord because He is God. I trust Him. I believe in Him. I've seen the fruit of it. You're seeing the fruit of it by me standing here because I would be dead by physical law if it were not for spiritual law. No doubt. I would be dead, dead, dead. He broke physical law, did a miracle or else I wouldn't be standing. here. You're seeing the fruit of it, of him right in front of you. He says, take a look outside and see that my creation clearly shows his character, his nature, his power. If God is God, then lay yourself on the altar. Recognize what he's done and remember the price that it took for us to be here today and remember him. Jesus, you gave your body when you did not have to at any moment. All you did in the garden was say, I am he. I am that I am. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob showed up and knocked everybody down. You didn't get on that cross because you couldn't stop it. You got on that cross because you wanted to, Jesus. Your love put you on that cross. And there was not one person that could hold you there. Lord, we remember this morning the power of your love. The power of your love. I just ask right now before we continue any further, will you just stand up? Chris, will you help me get this out of the way? <laughs> I mean just over there somewhere. So, I just ask you right now, just put yourself on the altar. Ask everyone to come up. Just just come up to the altar as representative of the altar of your heart. shebeini. <speaking in> Today is a special day. This is not. This is not church's normal. This is not the world, uh, the world's church normal. This is something special with God. Today is a holy day. Jesus, we remember what it took. We remember what it took for you to be on that cross and to stay there. We remember the love. To pay the price of your life. To shed precious blood. To take away all our sin. We were a mess. Heading to hell. And your blood. Stood up and stood in the way. Your life. Saved us. And Lord we don't just receive that. And then keep going the same way. If we esteem it properly, then we let the blood and the body of Christ change us. If you be be the Messiah, Jesus, and if you be Lord, then we will let God be God. And we will start to produce what you've called us to produce. We'll stop making excuses. We'll stop checking the box. And we don't take this unworthy without, uh, without esteeming it. We esteem it. And right now, today, I want you to take all of this message, every bit of it, every bit of it, and I want you to put all of that honor and all of the preparation of your heart into this prayer. And you know, one of the things, if you get serious with God, he will get serious with you. And right now, as you pray this prayer with me, you connect it to your heart. Don't just repeat words, let them flow out of your heart. On a prepared altar of humility and esteem for who God is. Say, Father, today is a new day. I will not stand silent, halting between two opinions. You are God. I recognize it. And I will live like it. Jesus... You are my Lord and my Savior. You're the director of my life. You call the shots and I will be obedient. Today, everything changes. I believe that you took my sin on you and that my sin brought you to death. And in the grave, I believe... That the Father brought you back to life. life. And when He raised you up. up, Glory Glory to God He raised me up too. And I am now a new creation. creation. Seated in heavenly places. places. With you. you. Father. Father, If you be God. God, Fill me. with With your Holy Spirit. And baptize me. With your fire. With your fire. In, the name of Jesus. in the name of Jesus. Father, that's your word yes. and your God. Do it in Jesus' name. You may take the communion.